And turn with me um, to the back of the Trinity hymnal um, on page 828, and we will read responsibly, excuse me, we will read responsibly uh, Psalm 118. Notice early on in the reading of this psalm, there is a, a, a repeated phrase, let Israel say his love endures forever, and so forth. And, and imagine, if you will, even as we read this together, that this uh, would, would likely have been read out loud to a huge gathering of people in Israel. There would have been an, an antiphonal reading, reading at different times. This group over here. Uh, saying together, his love endures forever. This group saying, his love endures forever. So um, imagine that, even as we even as we read this together. Uh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good; His love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, His love endures forever. In my anguish I cried to the Lord, and he answered by setting me free. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I will not be afraid. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in men. All the nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord I cut them off. They swarmed around me like bees, but they died out quickly uh, as burning thorns. I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped me. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. I will not die, but live and will proclaim what the Lord has done. Open for me the gates of righteousness. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. This is the day the Lord has made. O Lord, save us. O Lord, grant us success. The Lord is God, and He has made His light shine upon us. Now, 
You are my God, and I will give you thanks. You are my God, and I will exalt you. This is God's word. I wonder if you've ever uh, had a, a conversation with someone who is not really listening to the things that you say. Uh, you speak for a while, and then you stop, and that, that person speaks what was on his or her mind, and not interacting at all with what you said. Not listening and not really having a conversation. It is frustrating. Now, our Bible reading and prayer can be something like that. We can read the Bible, and then we close it, and then we pray about whatever, anything. But we may not, at times, interact with what God has said to us. Um, When we talk about other people, not interacting with each other and listening and responding to each other. We call that rudeness. Maybe we've done the same thing with God. Well, it is the beginning of the new year. And it is a good time, as I've done from time to time, to uh, have the first message of the new year, one on uh, some of the disciplines of our faith. And, And today we're going to have a very precise a purpose as we look at Psalm 118 today, and it is, it is when we're reading the Bible, it will form our prayer. So we're going to talk about two disciplines today. One is reading the Bible regularly uh, in all circumstances, and the other one is praying, and specifically praying in response uh, to what God has said. Uh, I'm actually borrowing some ideas from this service, from that delightful book that I just recently gave to um, uh, Eric and, and Katie, uh, Deeper. And uh, one of the themes that uh, re- uh, that book discusses is uh, prayer as, um, in speaking of prayer in an analogy of, of breathing, of breathing. Uh, we inhale um, God's word, we, we, we take it in, and then we breathe out in response to God's word. And it is a natural give and take. Breathe in, uh, breathe, breathe out. Um, as we inhale scripture, this is what is so important. As we inhale scripture, it shapes our minds, how we think. Um, it, it also fuels our energy. The spirit gives us zeal then to obey the Lord. And, and it... Um, if I can say that, oxygenates our soul. It, it brings oxygen of the, of the spirit to our souls so that we may live uh, in a manner uh, of, of energetic and, and hopeful faith and obedience to the Lord. All right? Inhaling God's word and exhaling prayer. That's where we're going today from this song. But think for a moment if you are not inhaling God's word, if you are not breathing in God's word regularly, the question you must ask is, what are you breathing in? What are you taking in to your soul? What is it? 
It could be the toxicity of your own thoughts. You could be uh, so much in your own mind that you are taking in the CO2 of your own breath and you're not getting fresh, spirit-filled air from God's Word and from God Himself. Martin Lloyd-Jones put it this way. Um, He asked the question, um, have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself. Take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. They are talking to you. They bring back the problems of yesterday. Somebody is talking. Who is talking to you? Yourself is talking to you. Do you hear the problem with that? You can just follow the track of your mind in all different kinds of directions. Oh, how busy I am. Oh, how unfairly I've been treated. Oh, I will never be able to to really walk in obedience to the Lord in this area or that area. And you are taking in your own words, which then becomes self-fulfilling prophecy. So we need to break into that sort of personal conversation and break in with the breath the inhaling the word of God, and then as we pray, we will want to pray, and as we pray, it will be responding to the things that God has said. Every worship, morning worship service that we, we have here practices that theme. We listen to God's word, and then we pray back to him, thanks, but also confession. Uh, and this is Psalm 118, uh, the last of a group of six psalms that are called the Egyptian Hallel, a, a cluster of psalms all together called the Egyptian Hallel, and they really have to do with giving thanks to God for his deliverance of God's people uh, from, the, from the control of the Egyptians and, and out of slavery. And so God is giving his people, in the six psalms, he's giving his people specific words, giving them language, how to respond to God following his, his deliverance. And we can say then for ourselves, our deliverance is from the condemnation and, this, and the, uh, the slavery, in, not in Egypt, but to the kingdom of darkness, and we are walking in light. And God is giving us language to glorify him to, to, in order to walk uh, in a life of, of obedience and joy in him. And so our theme today is use the gift of God's word to shape your heart, yes, but also to shape your voice, to shape your words, to shape your prayers. To use the gift that God gives to us. And this is how much of a gift it is. He gives us not only his truth from heaven, but he's also giving us, telling us how to respond. He's making it very easy for us. You can do this. You hear my truth, and I'll even give you language to respond to it. So we're going to look at the various sections of this psalm and see how in each case God is is, is meeting us in sometimes difficult circumstances in life. But in every case, we are to remember Psalm, Psalm 118.1 and the last verse, uh, verse 29, are identical. And so everything in this psalm is, is to follow the theme 
of, of, of doing this. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. At every time, in every day, that is what we say to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord. Thank you for your deliverance. You are good, and your steadfast love endures forever. It was used, this psalm was used by David uh, when he recovered the Ark of the Covenant from the Philistines. It was also used by Ezra. These words were used by Ezra as well when he had, had uh, rebuilt the temple following the exile. And what is common in both of, those, both of those places in Scripture is that God was coming again to dwell among his people. God was coming again to dwell among his people and therefore David could lead Israel in saying, and therefore Ezra could lead the, um, the remnants of God, God's people in saying, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Now, for us, clearly, Jesus displays the goodness of God and the steadfast love of God. And he has also built a temple, a temple that the latter part of this psalm will, will allude to, that we are the temple of God, we are the people of God, we are, are, have been rescued by the ministry of the Spirit this, through this work of Christ's redemption, and therefore, as gatherers, as worshippers gathering to this part of the new temple of his body, these are the words that we say as well. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. We are his people. We are here together as his people. His steadfast love endures forever. I just want you to think at the beginning here. What are the first words that you hear in your own mind when you wake up? You don't have to say it. But what are the words that, you first, that first run through your mind? And then what are the first words that you say in response to that? That's what I want you to get. What do you hear? What do you say? So we speak of the Lord's goodness. We see this in both verses 1 and, and 29. Well, in the second section, verses 2 through 4, we speak of his goodness. Each of us, each and every one of us is called to speak of his goodness. I'm not asking what kind of a day you're having. I'm not asking what are the difficulties you're going through in your life. But as a, as a child, a person uh, united to Jesus and in his body, this is the word that you say. At, let Israel say, let, the, let faith church say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let all those who fear the Lord say, let his steadfast love endure Forever. As I said, this is likely an antiphonal reading, and it would have been a thunderous response to God's word. His steadfast love endures forever. Are those the first words that you speak? It could be the first words that you hear in the morning have something to do with all of what you have to do for the day, and maybe your mind Goes, goes through the checklist of your tasks. That's what I've got to do today. I think I can. I'll be okay. You might be thinking about hard things that, that the Lord is calling you to do. 
You may feel alone in that process. You may be afraid and you may live without much hope. And so the first words that you speak in the morning have to do more with fear and inability than they do the glory of God. And so you listen and receive God's good gift in Jesus and you respond with thanks. That's the first thing you do in the morning. You consider the good gift that you have in the Lord Jesus Christ and you say, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. His steadfast love endures forever. And this includes verses 5 through 9. This includes when you are in trouble. In fact, we might especially say it includes when you are in trouble. These were Jesus' words. Remember we have said that the Psalms are, 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 are written for us, yes, and they are also describing certain circumstances in Old Testament history, but Jesus took these Psalms upon his own lips and he acts out as the right, the righteous man, he acts out these Psalms in his own life. And, and we can say then that Jesus himself cried out to the Lord in his distress. That Jesus trusted in the Holy Spirit, his helper. And you remember that, that the Gospel of John says that he gave, God gave Jesus the Spirit without measure. And because he has the Spirit without measure, he also gives that Spirit to us that we may live for him. And so if you are inhaling his goodness, if you are taking in God's words of his goodness and his steadfast love, you will be exhaling praise and thanks for his suffering, uh, for his uh, steadfast love, even in your suffering. If you are taking in God's word, you will respond even in suffering with thankfulness and his steadfast love. And if you're not taking in God's word, you will respond with grumbling. That there might be a pretty good test of what words you're hearing and believing and trusting in and responding to. Are you a grumbler? Do you mumble and grumble about the, the bad things that are going on in your life and around the world and then you just sort of live with a sour chip on you? Chips don't, aren't really sour, are they? A sour taste in your mouth. Jonah learned, Jonah learned when he was in the bottom, when he was sinking through the seas after his rebellion and being tossed into, into, the, into the, the, the ocean there. He was able to call the, the, the waves and the rollers um, God's waves and God's, God's, uh, uh, God, uh, the, God's swells and God's rollers, he says, that washed over him. He was able to say it was God's storm so that he was able finally to worship in the belly of that fish. The Lord is your helper too. So what can people do to you? Um, the writer in Hebrews chapter 13 uses these texts and says you might, you might be all alone. You might be without money, without resources, but you have nothing to fear because what can men do, for you, do to you? You have God as your helper. So you can say, thank you for your steadfast love, even in your suffering. Verses 10 through 16. Speak of God's goodness. Exhale of his goodness. Praise him. Even when the bees are swarming about your head. Well, what's going on here? 
Uh, clearly, this is a reference in the, first, in the first reading of it, of the kings, perhaps David, perhaps not, uh, fighting against their enemies, and the enemies would swarm like bees, and, and they would have to, to fight that flesh and blood enemy. And that happened for, for, for many, many uh, centuries. But it points ahead to Christ's victory over Satan's kingdom. And as Colossians said, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing them over the cross. He has defeated the enemy. So you are equipped when the bees start buzzing around your mind to give you all kinds of subversive thoughts. Jesus' victory equips you to defeat the bees that buzz your head. And the, the, you have an enemy who is particularly engaged in those buzzing bees. You have an accuser who leaks toxic gas that you sometimes take in, you sometimes breathe in, and you sometimes buy it. How can God accept a person like you? You have been unfaithful. You have sinned. And we begin to think to ourselves, I'll never measure up. I'll never be good enough. I'm a failure. And I'll never change. You are breathing in toxic gas from the enemy. And not the truth of God's word. Okay, well then how do, we, how do we handle this? We breathe in the goodness of God in Christ. We breathe in his steadfast love. And as we are fighting those buzzing bees, here, here's very simple, uh, very simple here. We fight the buzzing bees by remembering the righteousness of Jesus in two ways. The righteousness of Jesus for me, for me, it's a gift, it's not something I earn. We learned from Luther a while back that it is, it is, a, it is a, um, our, our righteousness, he called it the passive righteousness, not what we work for, but what is given to us. That is the righteousness of God for you, but then secondly, the righteousness of God that is being formed in you by the Spirit. The Spirit is alive and well and on a mission that you would glorify the Lord by trusting in that, that, give, that righteousness that is given but also the righteousness that grows out of that fruit of a heart that is seeping in the loveliness of Jesus. So you are breathing in the goodness of God in Christ, his steadfast love, Christ's righteousness for me, Christ's righteousness in me. And then what are you breathing out? This is, a what, this is what you wake up with in the morning. Thank you that Christ died for my sins and therefore I died too. And thank you that Christ was raised. So I was raised too. You cannot be defeated if that is your, if those are your words, having listened to God, responding to God with thanks. I am a dead alive man, a dead alive woman, dead to sin but alive to righteousness. What a way to wake up in the morning. Praise on your mouth. Praise on your lips. Enjoy your step.
which enables you, verses 17 and 18, to speak of his goodness even going through discipline, even going through hardship. Again, are you a grumbler in hardship? Well, who are you, whose voice are you listening to in hardship? Are you a grumbler or are you a worshiper? Remember, the Father disciplines those he loves. So he brings the suffering to Jonah, to Jesus, to you. Martin Luther's lifelong motto, and here's a guy who faced persecution, he faced death threats. I mean, it was him against the world for quite a while. And verse 17 was his life, life verse, I guess you could say. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. That's what kept his motor running. I will not die. They can take my body, but I will not die. I will live and recount the deeds of the Lord. And the bees of accusation dive-bombed his head and tormented his conscience. How did he deal with that? He recounted the deeds of the Lord. Jesus is for me, not against me. He praised God for the gospel. And this is what, the, what he came to, not the righteousness I need to attain to, but the righteousness he gives me by faith. That's the gospel that he praised God for. Not the righteousness that I need to attain to, but the righteousness that you give by faith. And all of this then is leading up in verses 19 to 25. We speak of his goodness shown in Jesus. That's what we talk about. We've heard from God, we've breathed in his word, and now we're speaking out, and we are always speaking of his goodness to us, shown in Jesus. Your praise, I'm asking you to get up in the morning in a good mood. <laughs> the mood of faith. And I'm not saying you get up in the morning and you just whistle in the dark, and somehow things will get better. That's not what I'm saying. Jesus and his disciples recited this psalm. Um, on that last, we'll call it the last Passover, which was also the first Lord's Supper. They recited this as, as part of that Egyptian Hallel, and this would have been the last psalm that they would have recited. And they would then move into Jerusalem. Uh, that psalm then was, again, about that greater deliverance that was underway pointing to the deliverance that he himself, what Jesus himself, would undergo there in Jerusalem. And on that Palm Sunday, he would walk into the city and hear these words from Psalm 118, Hosanna, he saves. Hosanna, in the highest, Hosanna, he saves. And in just 40 years, the temple, once again, would be crushed. And in the rubble that was left behind, in the grass growing up around those stones that were just scattered about in the field, uh, God found just the right rock to use as the foundation for the temple that would never be destroyed, the temple of Jesus' body, the temple made also of living stones who have put their faith in him and are being, are being built into that house where there is worship still. There are sacrifices still. We remember the sacrifice of Jesus. This rock was rejected by the Jews of Jesus' day, but that's exactly the stone that God used to build this temple 
which would be filled with his spirit. For Jesus is the Passover lamb. He saves us from this house of bondage through his sacrifice on the altar, and we breathe in that beauty of God. And therefore, we are able to exhale, verses 23 and 24. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. We remember and pray of the goodness of Jesus. And we therefore can go through life with the knowledge that God's light shines on us. We speak finally of his goodness because God's light is upon us. Verses 26 to 29. As I've said, this whole psalm is about Jesus. Um, He trusted in the Spirit as his helper. He withstood the attacks of Satan. He was hated by men. He was delivered. He didn't fear what men would do to him. He was rejected, but marvelously raised from the dead by the power of God. And so we inhale, take in, soak in his goodness. He has made his light to shine on us. So many times, I mean, if I use this language, God has a spotlight on you right now. How are you normally going to think? If I, I'm, 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 imagine, got this huge 50,000 watt light and it's shining right on you right now. What are you normally going to think? Oh no! I'm exposed! God sees me! i got to hide! But that's not what this psalm says. His light is upon you because you are in the one who died for your sins and was raised for your righteousness. And so you can say, um, God's spotlight does not light up my failures. It does not light up my sins. It does not, that all of that leaves you exhausted. But you are in Christ. So for you too, he has made his light to shine upon you. And so this is, this is the These are the words you pray. Oh, you are my God, verse 28, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Four things I want to say, just wrapping up. Do you ever wonder what to pray about? Has it ever occurred to you that your list is boring and you just don't know what to do? Well, let God start the conversation. He'll talk about his goodness and his steadfast love, and that will prime you to respond in thanks. Let God start the conversation. And you take it from there as he gives you these words to speak. Listen to him. Listen to him, and then secondly, respond to him and you will find yourself this you'll find yourself praying things like this fill me with your spirit fill me with your spirit uh, by the power of your spirit uh, enlighten the eyes of my heart i want to know your steadfast love more than i do i want it to form how i how i think and how i live and how i love enlighten my eyes by your spirit so that I may behold the wonder of who you are. 
Pray that. He's pleased to answer that prayer. By the power of your spirit, may Jesus be formed in me. A great prayer. You are responding to him. Fill me with your spirit. As the apostle says in Ephesians, uh, be filled with the spirit. It's a command. Thirdly, dads or heads of household, um, lead, dads, are you listening? Lead your household in joyful thanks. First of all, inhale God's word yourself. And, and then exhale um, your thanks to God for his goodness. We, we cannot afford, and the church cannot, in, in America and across the world today, cannot afford um, thinking that, um, raising kids who think that Christianity is about keeping rules. Obedience is part of it, yes. But if the first thing isn't a relationship of intimacy with the Father through the ministry of the Holy Spirit based on the work of Jesus Christ, it's a failed program. If it is not, first of all, a relationship of intimacy with God the Father through the ministry of the Holy Spirit by the work of Jesus Christ, it is a failed program. And so lead your family in knowing the goodness of God. I had spent some time this past week with a, a, a wonderful young man who, um, who, who's not in this church. Not, there are wonderful men in this church, but the wonderful man I was talking to is not a person. <laughs> um, and, and he just said, my dad um, never gave, my dad never got the gospel right. It was always about performance. That's what he said. My dad never gave us the gospel properly. It was always about performance. And the fruit is being born now 40 years later. Men, we, men and the heads of household, we cannot afford this. The third thing, then, kids, do you know God as your father? Kids, do you know God as your father? Uh, trust in Jesus who took the punishment that was due you, that you deserve. He took it upon himself. And that makes you, listen to this, that makes you a dearly loved little brother or little sister of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Trust in Jesus and you become a little brother or a little sister. And, and then you can talk to your Father in Heaven just like Jesus does. Exactly like Jesus does. Abba, Father, I need your help. Abba, Father, I need your help. Let's pray. Spirit of God, we give you thanks for the beauty of this text that you um, breathed out um, and then you also allow us by your power to breathe it in today. And so we pray that you would um, help each one of us here to be formed more and more by your word through the power of the Spirit centered on Jesus Christ. May these not just be words only but an, an energizing force that drives us to know Jesus better. To call out to you um, 
that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened, that we may know you better. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.